Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 346 on Tuesday, the 11th of August, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where Alan and I talk to each other for the first time in quite a while, we'll be talking about how Lewandowski isn't the Messiah, but indeed a very naughty boy. We'll be baffled to find out putting control settings for wipers on a touchscreen is a bad idea. And we ask if you want to be a star, baby. But first, we have some follow-up. <laughs> and it is Dieselgate, our long-term companion, dropped from friend to companion. And this is the news that actually three former Audi board members and a retired engineer from Audi are the latest uh, ex-employees who have been indicted by German prosecutors. So Ulrich Hackenberg, who was the former development boss, Stefan Knirsch, who was also a former development boss, Bernd Martens, who was the ex-head of purchasing, and the retired engine developer Richard Bowder have all been indicted for fraud, false certification and criminal advertising. Uh, so when this first came out, the news came out, their names were not released, but that has since changed. So that goes on the back of other former board members being charged as well. Uh, last last year, it must have been Stadler mm -hmm. and others to do with, again, with fraud, false advertising and that sort of stuff. Yes, exactly. Well, Stadler being, of course, the most the most famous of the the so far indicted. Yeah, is yeah. he's the former CEO? But that's not the only Dieselgate, is it? Unfortunately, Alan, it isn't. No, the UK Group Action lawsuit that was taking place has started, and that Volkswagen appealed previously. Then the appeal was was declined, and and the right honourable Lord Justice Males ruled that the judge's defeat device issue uh, previously was clearly correct. Preliminary motions, witness ex evidence exchanges, selection of lead claimants, full disclosure will now take place before the trial actually begins. Yeah, because the point of this was that Volkswagen was saying there was no defeat device because it passed the regulatory controls. Hmm. that the EU had at the time, which we all know has now meant there is the new WLTP, has helped accelerate that being brought in on all the rest of that stuff. But the judge said, well, no, it was a defeat device because it was created to pass the test, but not how it would, or how to pass test conditions, but was not reflective of real-world driving. So that's why it's lost it. And hmm. this has been the case across multiple countries across Europe. Yes. This still here in the UK is worth mentioning. It is a night of places where I have done work in on legal stories this evening. So it's worth mentioning that Technology and Construction Court in London, Royal Courts of Justice, then uh, if this is going before them, then they try and get people to make out of they try and get agreements out of court rather than actually go to go to court mm. be aware the majority of their cases end up being settled rather than actually going to court worth bearing that in mind as as this goes on yeah also needs to be uh, remembered stroke understood that volkswagen still say none of their customers anyone who bought one of these cars has actually suffered any loss that needs to be compensated in any way absolutely 
that is Volkswagen's defence. Volkswagen's defence for this original ruling was shot down in flames, which is going to be a bit of a theme tonight about the OEM's legal counsel. I, d- I don't know. This one was probably in flames. doing the we'll bestest of jobs. <laughs> yes. yes. We'll talk about that one when we come to it. Yeah. So the, the, this isn't going to get to court if it gets to court till 2022 anyway. Absolutely. This stuff takes a long time. This is the kind of thing where evidence is delivered to the court by the pallet, and I'm not even kidding. No, yeah, yeah. It actually gets gets forklifted off of trucks. Uh, the amount of paperwork that gets put before these kind of things. It, it's just yep. silly. Speaking of people with lots and lots of files, though. Let's move on to self-driving or not self-driving or magically disappearing documents. Hmm. Or reappearing documents. And that is the news that Anthony Lewandowski, who we know, uh, was the the chap who moved from Waymo to Uber very quickly, and suddenly Uber were developing autonomous vehicles. Turns out, if you remember the case, he took a few bits of information with him that was not actually legal to do so. Uh, all 14,000 of them. Yes, yes, just just a couple of zip drives. It's okay, it was nothing really. <laughs> he was found guilty of this and fined $179 million, which he was due to pay back to Alphabet, who was the uh, owning company of Google now. Uh, he filed for bankruptcy, and it turns out that the judges said, right, you're still going to go to jail, because he was hoping for a, a confinement to home because he's not well. Um, by claiming that he has uh, had pneumonia, so therefore uh, coronavirus would be an extreme risk in prison. The judges said that a non, and I'm quoting from the BBC News article here, a non-custodial sentence would amount to a green light to every future brilliant engineer to, tra- to steal trade secrets. Lewandowski would begin his, con- his custodial sentence after the COVID-19 pandemic had peaked. Prosecutors wanted 27 months, he's got 12 <laughs> Um, he's he's also at the same time, uh, and this is according to TechCrunch, suing Uber for four point one billion dollars, stemming from Uber buying Otto. So you remember he went from Waymo, what used to be Google, is the Alphabet driving startupy bit sub bit. Uh, he then left that and set up a company called Otto. Uh, Otto amazingly quickly got bought by Uber. Um, so he's still trying to sue Uber for $4.1 billion. This um, $4.1 billion will be because it had in his contract that Uber would pay any legal costs. And Uber turned around and went, yeah, we'll pay legal costs, but we're not actually going to pay legal costs for you stealing all the information. We'll, we'll pay legal costs for, for you coming here, but not for your criminal stuff. I don't know that $4.1 billion is criminal stuff adds up to $4.1 billion, But yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Right, shall we move on to some happier news? Yes. Brief though it may be. <laughs> it is, yes. SMMT new car registrations for the month of July are up 11.3% year on year. Today. Yay. Overall uh, registrations are currently down 41.9% year to date, however, uh, and it's still expected that they'll be down 30% by the end of the year, but that's not a huge surprise. Remember, lots and lots of pent-up demand coming through. As far as fueling methods, petrol, uh, purely petrol internal combustion engine vehicles up 0.3%, purely diesel 
internal combustion engines down at 25.9%. Just on that point, before you move on, we must be well over 12 months of diesel going down now. I haven't looked back at this. It's only just occurred to me now. Uh, I would think so. Looking at the split in the in the numbers as well, we're definitely into that mm. territory. So to fall another 20, 26% on what was already a decreasing market is is pretty big. Don't forget that some of these some of what's used to be quite decent fleet selling diesels are now mild hybrids. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yes, of course. Yeah. So some of maybe Mercedes C-Class, these kind of things. Yeah. I've seen a lot of 3 Series as well. Yeah, they're not diesel mild hybrids, though, and, and mm. you do get, you know, some Mercedes and stuff. So they're, they're up 199.2%. That's because there were none of them last year. But that's still 16,000 vehicles. But our battery electric vehicles, our plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, and our hybrid electric vehicles... That's more hybrid than mild, but not as hybrid as plug-in, um, are up 137.1%. It's all getting so smooshy in that zone now. Yes. Where else? Private up 20%, fleet up 5%, business down 11.8%. So this is pent-up private demand coming through here, really. Yeah. Best registered on the table labeled best sellers. Yeah, much of a muchness. Uh, number 10 is a Ford Cougar, 2,686. It goes, and it's returned a bit more to normality this month, I think. Uh, again, private buyers and all that kind of thing. Yeah, the more recognizable names, aren't they? Yeah, so it goes uh, Cougar 10, Tiguan, Mini, Volkswagen Polo, Nissan Cash Cow, and there's less than 300 registrations between those top five. Yeah. There's a thousand registration jump to the Mercedes Benz A Class. There's 14 registrations <laughs> jump to the Volkswagen Golf at four, at 3,936. So this is how tight it is. Another thousand jump to the Ford Focus. 500 jump to the Ford Fiesta at 5,421. And uh, top of the list is the Vauxhall Corsa, which of course is the new Vauxhall Corsa. It is. 5,455. Uh, year to date, Fiesta still at the top, followed by an almost tied Ford Focus and Vauxhall Corsa for positions two and three. Yeah. Uh, great to see some positive some positive numbers there. It's really nice to be able to talk about positive numbers there. There might be more demand coming through into uh, through August and then into the start of September when the registration plate changes. Yeah, I th I think we've got to wait until possibly October to get a more realistic. I, I think that that will mean that the sort of peak has passed and it started to level off again. Yeah. Yeah, uh, in 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 my mind, uh, there is a spreadsheet of doom. It's not that doomy. No, I've we should I've have discussed to... how we were going to tackle it. Well, I'll run through the negatives that are really pretty negative. But I'm just even then, the challenge is that many of those negatives that are quite negative, it may well be to do with the fact that showrooms haven't been open and all these kind of things. There's so many. Please bear in mind there are so many variables. Everyone, that, that is the caveats for all of this. Is so many staff are still furloughed. So many showrooms haven't actually opened, and if they are open, they are doing it in a uh, staggered way. Added on top of that, there are the delays through registering with DVLA. Although if you do it digitally, it does come through really quickly. 
I know if you Most do it by post, it is incredibly slow because I've seen plenty of people talking about that on Twitter in the last few days. So do it digitally if you can. The digital way of doing it, by the way, is super quick, super easy. It's a really nice site. You would, and you don't have to pay for a stamp. Sorry, tight yep. Scotsman here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely <laughs> recommend doing that. Uh, do you want to run through these negatives and then I'll be all positive again? Yeah, companies that have struggled. So we've got Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Citroen. We've got Maserati. We've got Smart. No surprise with Smart anyway. Subaru. They've been struggling for quite a while anyway. Suzuki, which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, and then other imports. So there obviously wasn't a, wasn't a boat this Tesla. month. Even though this is going year hmm. on year, but there was no boatload of Tesla 3s anyway, so we couldn't put, we couldn't drop that in the top 10. Um, but more positively, Alan. Let's begin at the beginning. I'll start at the top as well. Audi at 16.42 up. BMW up 24%. Uh, Dacia up 77% because of course they've got some renewed, revived models. A Fiat up 32%. Jeep up 23%. That's a surprise, that one. Kia up 28. Mm. Land Rover up 38%. Um, be lots of, lots of new defenders being registered and stuff. Uh, Lexus up 17%. MG up 77.5%. Uh, Mini up 49%. Porsche up 195%. Renault up 201%. Goodness me. So that's 6,598 vehicles registered as opposed to 2,187 last year. That's That seems ridiculous. Where are they? That's a staggering amount of, staggering amount of an increase. And have Do they, you think they don't fleet? have a new car out? No. Do they? No. No. Not that I've noticed. I, I would have thought we, one of us would have noticed. I'm, I mean, I know Bentley has and I know Aston Martin has. Yes, uh, I'm hoping I would have spotted that, but I I haven't. I do. You, do you think it it's would a rental be interesting fleet? Interesting to know some real details. You know, rental fleets aren't taking new cars on at the minute. No, that's true. That's true. I can't think. There must have been a big fleet deal that we've missed. Someone will point it out to us, or we can actually just go and ask Renault. Yeah, please, please do. If you if you do know the reason why Renault suddenly has a and congratulations on a two hundred one point six nine percent increase. I mean that is superb on twenty nineteen. That's you know forgetting this year. Just if this was a normal year, that's a brilliant increase. <laughs> So, meanwhile, returning to normality, uh, Skoda at 15.48, Sangyong at 109%, uh, which isn't a huge number anyway, Toyota up 21.7. I was expecting other British to be up because there seem to be so many Aston Martin DBXs have been registered. Yeah, maybe they've been done slowly over the, the last couple of months. But I, mm-hmm. I, I need to say, and because we have happily and justifiably mocked MG in the last 18 months or so but you know congratulations this is that's proper growth year on year now this isn't just because we people have now suddenly spotted us this is proper growth it seems to be uh it seems to be i'd be interested to know how many are new to the brand and how many are repeat customers and i'm curious if they're new to the brand where they're coming from. yeah that's that's the thing for me is where are they coming from because are they are they and I don't mean this derogatory, but are they a mobility on the mobility list? Uh, motability, yes. Yeah, motability, possibly, yeah. sorry. 
Yeah. Or um, and maybe that's risen them to prominence. It could be, you know, it could all be companies like Nissan that are suffering then if they if they're not getting as many uh, cash guy and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, registered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. I'll try and follow that one up. Yes, uh, folks. Anyway, I think we've beaten the new. We're so happy to have some decent, not, decent news to talk about on that that we've probably talked about it far too much. So, was, some serious but, apologies. But we are still working very hard at making sure we don't spend too long. Anyway, moving on to uh, Jaguar Land Rover's latest. Well, there's a case, There's been a, a court case with Ineos. I think people are surprised to hear. And and it's to do, well, it's been reported as trademark. However, talking to other people and listening to other people on Twitter, I think what we're all trying to say is it's actually a design patent, not a trademark. If I may. And we turn over to our design graduates no as a no no what, what, what we're turning over to is is someone who has to get some benefit out of the weeks and weeks and weeks i spent in in miserable newport south wales at, at doing work for the intellectual property office okay now this is this is a tricky one because both sides are right both discussion parts are right it is being described as a trademark because it is being seen as a a device and a 3d device okay so a, th- a 3d sort of a, a device i've forgotten the other part the name of the other part that it's made up of now but trademark is made up of two things it's the name and it's also a device an image which is recognizable and and associated with a particular brand the the example everyone gives is of course if you see two sort of yellow arch shaped things yeah uh, as a logo then then you kind of know that you can probably get hamburgers there okay because i i have seen elements of what you're talking about involved in some of the documents that we do have linked that will be in the show notes everyone please do click through on them because they give you a more full explanation of what we're discussing here Um, because they do discuss color as well in all that yeah so there's there's that and that comes you see color comes in when it's a trademark as opposed to a registered design which is slightly different easier to apply for and and slightly less rigorous if you apply for a trademark by the way one of the things the ipo do is they go and they go oh look here's some similar looking things and then they so they then send them off send it off to these people and say this looks very like yours are you sure um the other thing is that registered design is a registered design trademarks have to apply to certain areas of product and classes of product which is one of the things that jlr fell down on in this in the original the original three-dimensional trademark that was that was applied for was in the class of it was in the class of model vehicle so it was for a toy oh. not for an actual one so that's one of the key so things they're legal team got that wrong as well because there's what started this whole process was was the design uh hang on a second let me find this the registered design and trying to get rid of the to cancel the registered design which was the very first step by Ineos in this whole process yeah so the the, the problem was that it didn't it took until was it 1999 uh, until they actually tried to register the design and, uh, of the Defender. And then they couldn't, and that was to do with the Heritage one. 
And then they couldn't, according to the documentation, they couldn't really say, and I may have some details of this wrong or be glossing over them, so my apologies, legal eagles. And then they couldn't say exactly when that shape had been launched and they didn't have the correct uh, evidence to show that, to show the exact date from which the date was, the, the, that shape, the defender shape was launched or was new to the market. And they couldn't say that it was within the very narrow one month timeline that they said, because, because of course it had been around, if you ignored color of the heritage edition, it had been around since the early 1980s. Well, that was the point Ineos was saying when they released the heritage thing that made it open and therefore it should be, can they should be canceled at that point from it was august 1999 was the or end yeah. of july august 99 was the is the time frame of the discussion and in all this i mean it this I, this is slightly slightly taken separate from the uh the other bit that autocar that we got links to autocar on and there's the latest bit that's come out in the news in the last week but this is all connected and the legal team for JLR get a proper kicking in the findings because they didn't do things like, I don't care, the, the the person presiding over this said, I don't care you've changed two owners. If you can't come to me with any defence at all saying, actually, here's some documents to say, no, this wasn't the case, what am I supposed to do? They produce an autocar magazine, they produce brochures, they produce doc, they produce evidence... And you say, sorry, we couldn't find now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. It's it's quite bad. And, and this is this is actually a result, not so much just a, of the, you know, the, the current one, but this is going back many, many years. Yep, yep, yep. And never having actually protected the shape of a defender. Yep. Because it wasn't, and I can understand, it wasn't important. Whereas GLR did... The opposite. I mean, they managed to they they managed to 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 successfully win against Landwind in China for their the Landwind whatever it was that was an essential, which was a tracing paper tracing of an evoke. And, and for those of you who don't know, to win to be a foreign company to win a copycat case in China to that point unheard was, of. It just didn't. It never happened. They yeah. were virtually the first company to do it, and particularly a large company, because China looked after itself very much so in those early mm. before that case. And then when they 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 for Land Rover to win that is just amazing. I, I was gobsmacked that they won it. I think most of us were who, who are aware of these kind of things. So I mean, this is not recent failings that really lost this. This was failings over the last twenty odd years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to actually protect yeah. designs, I'm sure it wouldn't happen these days. <laughs> um, but but that's that's what led to it. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, we've again gone to that in more detail. Lots of interesting links. If you if you feel that you want to tell me I'm wrong and stuff, then then do go follow the links and, and have a read because there is there is quite a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, but the latest to, to summarize the latest findings is that Grenadier can um the Grenadier can come out and look very, very similar to the Defender and it's not a problem. Yeah. Legally. That that is the short <laughs> short version of this now uh yeah, even basically. even with all the efforts that jlr have gone to and set and trying to protect things like the alpine window which is the top roof thing and all that sort of the stuff bit that, one of the bits that leak 
That narrows it down now. Let's move on from legal cases in the UK to legal cases in Germany. Legal cases in Germany? We never cover legal cases in Germany. But one of the things that we cover even less than legal cases in Germany, uh, Tesla. Um, so we've got our flak jackets on and and we're, we're and our, our fireproof gloves for the next time we pick up our telephones. Are there, are uh, there any we're going to talk about clouds Tesla. over your house tonight? No, do you know what? A really good thunderstorm wouldn't go on this way. <laughs> I really, you might see me leap to shut the window that's wide open beside me. But yeah, a good thunderstorm wouldn't go on this. Uh, anyway, there was an accident at the end of last year in Germany. Uh, it involved a Tesla Model 3. It involved the driver of the Tesla Model 3 trying to manually adjust the speed of the wipers in rain because the automatic speed sensing was not doing what the driver felt it should do. To do that, the driver had to poke at the touchscreen because, hey, switches. They're so old hat. Uh, they had to poke at the central touchscreen and he had an accident whilst he was doing it because he uh, seemed to be uh, distracted. So he's been punished under the same rules as using a phone whilst driving. Supposedly you can uh, change the speed of the wipers uh, by voice as well. Um, but I don't know. Given given my experience of voice control in cars, me, I have a very strong regional accent, so everybody's aware. Yeah, and even I still can't can't do it. So anyway, the onus was on the driver. However, at the same time, a Tesla have been given a given a rap uh, for that 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 this isn't is it that it isn't strictly legal. Um, I'm not sure that. That it, that's any problem because they automatically come on, which was the thing that wipers come on in the rain is probably the caveat that they had to meet. But the the interesting thing for me is, if we remember the now must be delayed uh, autonomous and connected car regulations that was coming in in the UK, one of the things they really hammered home was that no touchscreen should be distracting. And mm. this was saying it's it's because it's under the same rules as uh, as though you were poking at your telephone. And the judge even said because the the driver took it to appeal, saying, "Well, the touchscreen isn't the same as a phone because I can take the phone out." And the response was, "It doesn't matter if you can take it out or not. You were prodding at a screen that distracted you from the road. That was the point." By the way, punishment for that: one month ban and a hundred and eighty pound, two hundred euro fine. The driver. As you said, he appealed it, and he was trying to claim that the wiper control was a safety-related feature that he needed to access. So yeah, that didn't, and that's the bit that didn't stand. Also, the bit that Tesla has been told off, oh, and my apologies for getting my stories mixed up, is that they have been banned uh, from claiming that the uh, autopilot system is potentially autonomous, uh, and that there's many word, many little sets of wording that aren't allowed to be used in uh, advertising for tesla anymore uh, phrases uh, that includes but is not limited to uh, full potential for autonomous driving and autopilot inclusive and and others yeah they also put out a ad that suggested that self-driving cars are allowed on germany's roads when that's not the case again Funnily enough, a, a theme we have repeatedly come back to in our our now nearly five years' existence is uh, words, Tesla. They're really, really important, and misusing them is wrong. 
we're going to get told off for beating into Tesla. Not that we haven't beat into J- JLR already tonight, by the way. Bring bring them on. Far I don't more. care. Anyway, let's move on to the UK's first Dutch-style roundabout, which has been opened. And this is in, surprise, surprise, Cambridge, that lover of the car. And I, I say that with tongue-in-cheek to anyone before they, they leap in and go, you see, you think the car should rule the road, et cetera, et cetera. No, I don't, actually. I think it, Cambridge just hates everyone. It's like Oxford. Oxford and Cambridge just hate everyone. It, it, it's simple. Yes. You know. <laughs> but, but this is a new roundabout that's set out that prioritises the cyclists over motorists, uh, and sorry, and pedestrians, uh, over motorists. Now, looking at the pictures in the tweet from Joe Giddens, I'm, ooh, I'd need some time to study that. No, <laughs> right, right. So, here's what I'm going to say about it. These work in Holland. Uh, they work a lot of the time in Holland. There is no reason why they should not work in the UK. One of the things I notice about this tweet is that at no point in the tweet is there a driver's eye view of it. This is like the magic roundabout in... uh, There's one in Swindon, isn't there? And there's one in somewhere else, uh, which I use more often. And actually, when you're there and when you're driving, if you when you split it down to maneuver by maneuver, it is very good and very clear. Okay. There is no reason why this should be any different. So I've talked before, and I talked relatively recently, actually, about a book called Traffic by a guy called Tom Vanderbilt. Uh, and I think I mentioned it as an Audible ages ago That's when we still talked more about sounds Audible. Sounds familiar, yes. Yeah. So I actually reread it when I was on holiday. As, as a matter of fact so it's and it's really good i would would strongly recommend it you can get it from amazon and we will have a uh, we'll have a link in the show notes we will probably have a link where we get a small amount of money back and you pay the same amount uh, in there hashtag disclosure <laughs> hashtag, hashtag disclosure we'll also you know you can also get it for free from audible if you sign up for an audible um trial from the other link that we will have in the show notes it's really good and it's all about how and why and the thinking behind some of this stuff and and it talks about uh, some of these roundabouts and how in actual fact they increase traffic flow people feel that they're going more slowly but in actual fact because they're always moving and always aware they increase the traffic flow and they decrease the number of accidents mm-hmm and just before anyone leaps in, we are aware there has already been an accident on there. It wasn't a fatal accident, but we know there has been an accident already on there on this roundabout, which is bound to happen as people adjust to the new layout. It's different. That's the only thing that's wrong with this, is it's different and people might, the first time people use it, it might be a little bit alarming. Because it's not just a roundabout. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the drop-down view of it, and I'm looking mm. at the different colours and the lines and all that, and I'm thinking, I know I could drive it because I I'm, I'm, feel I'm a competent driver, but I'd want to know what I was coming up to before I got there, and I'd like to have a bit more information. It's just a roundabout with, uh, with zebra crossings across each road. Fundamentally, it's just roundabouts with zebra crossings uh, across the exits. Right, well, that's it. But it, it is nothing fancy. Okay. Really. Okay. I, I, it's, 
almost worth going to Cambridge to try it, but that involves going to Cambridge, and it's such a hateful place. <laughs> that I, I just can't be bothered. Sorry, I don't blame. But you. Th- there are limits. There are limits to my uh, to to my. Are you, you know, saying the amount of effort I will put into the, fo- the the motoring podcast? The limits are quite high, but they're not high enough to voluntarily go to Cambridge. Okay. If you are disappointed in Alan, please write to Alan. His uh, Twitter handle will be available at the end of the podcast. It's now Guilt Minute, that point on the show when we ask you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. Possibly a bit less than driving to Cambridge. Uh, If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. If you are already a patron, thank you so very, very much. Now, we understand not everybody has the ability to to do this, to, to actually give money, uh, but please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. Uh, if you've done all that, uh, and you still want to help, then the number one way that people find out about new podcasts is via word of mouth. So rugby tackling a friend uh, who you think would find this interesting, stealing their phone off them and subscribing them. While socially distanced. Oh, yes, while socially, <laughs> socially distanced rugby tackle, of course. Uh, and while subscribing them, uh, whilst not touching their phone and then giving in a good wipe down with anti-back afterwards, uh, would be absolutely brilliant. Uh, if for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the Motoring Podcast, how's about doing so for free, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss out on the next show. Uh, one of the things that's worth mentioning is that when we tweet uh, and Facebook and Instagram, a bit less Instagram, about the show we're using a new style of link so that whatever mobile device you're on when you you click on that for your social media fix then it should take you to the appropriate player for your for your device so if you're on if you're on an androidy phone uh, then it should take you to google podcasts uh, if you're on a apple phone it should take you into to the podcasts app and if you don't use the podcasts app then i'm sure you must be technically savvy enough to be able to search for us in whatever app you do use and have us subscribed yes Perfect. that was the bit i was going to talk about thank you right formula e because uh it seems we have gone from famine to way more than a feast <laughs> yes 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 it's sort of sort of you know curry baby type levels uh here there have been four i did count these other there have been four formula e races since we last spoke is that right? With the next one tomorrow yes. night. There's two more I did look. tomorrow, I think. Yeah, 5th and 6th, 8th and 9th, and then 12th and 13th. So we haven't yeah. reached 12th and 13th. So we're at four Formula E races uh, since since we last there. The thing that all... What you need to know is that uh, Antonio Felix da Costa uh, has already won the Formula E, the Formula E World Championship, you know, driver title, uh, with those, the with uh, the races still to go. Congratulations to him, considering yes, he he has this is his third team, and mm. I think as he said himself, that people are beginning to look at him and think, no, you're never going to do it, mate. Yeah, he's been around a while. You're not doing much, and well and, done, of course. And he's pulled it out. And what I must say as well, in his uh, acceptance speech, thank you speech, 
he acknowledged BMW and, oh, I can't remember the other team he used to race for, which is really embarrassing. So I do apologize to them. But he acknowledged all the teams that he's raced for and said thank you to them for getting him to this position because he understands that you only get to a place due to everything else that's gone before. He always seems like a really nice chap. He does. He does. Yeah. Um, he, he's always come, come across that way. He's first in the, the championship. Second in the championship is his teammate at uh, DS to Cheetah. They raced to Cheetah. Uh, John, Jean-Éric Verne, who was a little bit miffed by some of the the, the way that the, the one of the races went, but they're all friends again now. Yes, a smidgen dischuffed. Uh, I, I think he possibly got to boot up his bottom for his for his uh, attitude. He, I'm sure. he was the, the well. There is a link in the show notes to the story about why in that one particular race it went wrong for him and how angry he was. But it was interesting to see because I did notice via uh, the social media as well. So I wasn't able to follow the races. I did see things on social media where he came out and said a lot of things positive when he really wasn't after this race. He really wasn't. And it was understandable if what is in the story has happened. And he was very positive for De Costa and he was very positive for the team and everything like that and how his performance actually improved as well as a consequence. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing to do with team orders at that point or anything like that. So I thought that was very interesting psychologically and I'd love to speak to Mark Preston um, for rear view maybe try and make that happen again at some point because there was technical difficulties at my end which prevented it previously but one of the things I'd really like to talk to him about is that is managing a team and managing all these different people whether it's the technical side or the drivers and how do you do that mm -hmm. because to to get that change and very visible change which didn't look as though it was you will start saying happy things or you are fired. It didn't look like that sort of orders. It, it looked genuine. And you could see him congratulating um, De Costa on his title victory as well. That looked very genuine too. So it would be interesting to see how how does Mr. Preston manage all those <laughs> egos, yeah. emotions, people? Not a task that I would that I would rush. No. To, to take I'm on myself. Yeah. I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, but there is one other quick bit of Formula E news, and that is Blomqvist is replacing Collado at Jaguar for the last two races. Collado has had an absolute stinker of a single season with Jag. It just mm -hmm. hasn't worked. Unfortunate for both sides, but they've obviously seen that it's not working and said, we agree to disagree, let's just move on. Um so I can't imagine he's going to be signed on next year. No. No, no. So. <sighs> right. Uh, quick bit of other motorsport news, and I know we don't really cover it, but it, it's quite large, and that is the fact that the 2020 Le Mans 24-hour will now actually run with no spectators. That was announced yesterday. Day. Yeah, yeah, yesterday as, yes, we, yesterday as we record. So the September the 19th, 20th, there's going to be no spectators um, because obviously of coronavirus and they just don't want the, the danger of the place being shut down or people being made ill and stuff like that. So yeah, for, for what it turns out is that virtual 24-hour Le Mans that was so well done, even though they had two crashes of the game, 
was a test drive or a test setup for them to do a TV production with no crowd. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you've got to remember that there's so that, you know, for, for people who are watching at home, then the, the difference in, in feel will be quite minimal. Mm. I think that it seems to have mostly been working for Formula E, uh, Formula, e Formula One so far. Yeah, I think I think what I've seen a lot of people say is, oh, fantastic, I'm going to have a garden party 24-hour, mm-hmm. whatever. So fingers crossed, certainly in the UK, that the weather is good and everyone can sit outside in their gardens with big screens and all the rest of these things and and watch the whole thing or do it via connected video conferencing yeah. systems. <laughs> There's going to be a real, real rush on large packs of, of, you know, the French beer that comes in a little bottle. <laughs> Those. I, I mean, people might want to start start collecting them now so they can still, you know, make bottle pyramids and all these kind of good things. So, you know, share your best bottle pyramid on social media. Well, may, maybe maybe if you could speak to a few manufacturers with vans, you could do a few runs across and start flogging them on to people we know. <laughs> And, mm, and we can do reviews. Yes, this carries four ton of bottles very well. Yes, <laughs> and the range in the Evito will get you from uh, will get you from the tunnel terminal on the Dover side to uh, to Auchan in in Calais or to Carrefour at Cité Europe uh, and back again on a single charge. And, Excuse me, and sir. Enough, are, all, are all these for your own consumption? Of, and four pallets of lock. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's for my own consumption, officer. Yes. Right. You found this lunchtime read because it's one of your new uh, your new friends. Because you go and talk to other people now. Yeah, he's been an older friend. He he and I he, he no, I, I know. met him before. I know, then. I know. But you know, you and your uh, new and friends on a Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lewis King says, so Yes Auto is a relatively new uh, automotive website here in the UK. They have a lot of really, really good contributors. Okay, they do. Watch it start to creep in as, as a bit of a source for us. And one of the things they're doing is they're doing long-term reviews, uh, but they're long-term reviews with a bit of a difference. Uh, and this one of them is Lewis Kingston he's doing a long-term review on his chevrolet corvette his uh g-reg chevrolet corvette which is undergoing a few a few sort of tweaks and stuff uh, over the year uh, over the next few years he he has some plans for it so that's all outlined in in this so it's a bit of a, a long-term review a bit of an introduction to, to lewis's c4 corvette and to what lewis is hoping to do with it uh if you've been watching listening to zoom zoomers from the beginning you have a bit of a a bit of a peek into that you, you'll know some of that uh, what i'd also like to point out is how much of a lay-by thief lewis is <laughs> i i thought i was looking at going i'm sure i recognize that lay-by the car looks great in those pictures but oh, it's lovely uh, mm. and i go that oh that looks very that that angle that camber the 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 um degrees on that hill leading up to it etc do you know what i'm gonna do you see you see there's those signs morning of the sharp corners i'm gonna put motoring podcast stickers on both i of think those. you should yeah yeah so thief does or it's or because you i live like up here in motoring journalist corners um uh, license plates, plates. They just just put them <laughs> hanging underneath so every time there's a picture our name is in the back of it you know autocar did this yeah. this this place oh look what's no, that podcast just... in the background <laughs> 
Yeah, this is this. Uh, that, that, that's a, that's a corner as pinched by Parkers as well, and and Honest John too on occasion recently. Uh, anyway, yes, so that's really good. Uh, do go make sure you you read. Uh, and yes, Auto is going to be a site to keep an eye on. I think definitely list of the week, and this comes from not too grand, and uh, Mr. Chris Pollitt. And it's titled, A State of Mind, Five Luxury Load Luggers. Now, why I've selected this is having driven on the UK's motorways recently and noticed the number of SUVs that are crammed badly with stuff. Mm. I thought, you know, there is a better way to do this. Now, tell me this. Do they all have uh, a pack of toilet roll in the back window? Because that is a sure sign that they're going on a self-catering holiday. There, there was a few few of those, but most of them are tend to be... like There's a, a, a fishing net that's been bent across the back window because <laughs> it's curved. You know, one of those 99p fishing nets. Uh, and then there's pillows that are just rammed up. Then you think, see... The problem is with that, the way you've packed that and there's nothing tying those down, as soon as you open that back door, everything falls out. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a better way to do it, a more efficient way to use the space, and that is generally by using an estate. And Chris Pollitt has put together five that he suggests are worthy considering rather than going straight to the SUV down the route of what most people are doing at the moment. So, hmm. as there's only five, I'm only going to ask Alan, and I'm not going to say mine, but what have you got one on this that you think, well, I would investigate that more than the others? Um, I'm going to go for the BMW E39, because we actually had one of those. Okay. That seems... It's an estate, which was rather nice. Yes. Um, lovely car. Good yeah. shape. Good shape. Okay, so you can click through on the link to go through yourself, but there is a surprising one in there, and Chris acknowledges it at number two. Um, mm-hmm. But he justifies his his claim. Uh, but yes, d- d- dumb fact about number two is that the last generation of it was actually longer on the road than uh, the equivalent uh, Discovery at the time. So it was one of those times people go, oh, these big SUVs are causing all this congestion. You know, well, actually, if you bought a car, it's bigger. The SUV takes up less space on the road. Yeah. Right, take us to the and finally. Uh, this week's and finally is a plea from television's Paul Cowland. To be more television-y. <laughs> to be more television-y, yes. Well, he is looking, he is is doing a new program. And if you are looking to buy a new car, if you want to buy a car, it doesn't have to be a new car, no. pardon me. Then if you if you apply and if you're successful, then he may be able to help you out. You can have his his friendly tones and sort of keep looking up at him uh, for, <laughs> yes. for, for an entire day whilst he helps you look for a for a car. The link to the tweet, is it? Yes, it's the link to the tweet, which has the information, uh, including uh, how to get in touch with the production company that will um, deal with things. You can also mm-hmm. obviously speak to Paul Cowland directly via that. TV's Paul Cowland, sorry, directly. I, I mispronounced his name. At Paul Cowland underscore yeah. uh, on, the, on the Twitters. And I know that we've, we've shared it uh, yeah. and stuff. But if you are interested in that, then But this then sounds a cracking a show because Paul has worked both sides of the 
you know, he he's done you know both sides of buying a car from selling it to to buying them as well, and hmm. he knows an awful lot about things. He knows an awful lot about new cars. He knows an awful lot about older cars. Plus, he's just cracking fun to be near yeah. as well. Yeah. Did Did you see, by the way, well, a slight tangent here? Uh, did you see that at the weekend he was out with a a, a friend? Uh, and he was he was looking to buy who was looking to buy a new car. Yes, I may have and commented. What a hilarious <laughs> time he had of it. Yes, uh, just trying to actually get people to speak to them. Uh, so, and it, it falls in with what we discussed previously. Yeah, it does. It does indeed, and uh, it made me feel a little bit better being ignored, like I was. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <Aww. laughs> if TV Paul Cowland is ignored then, of course, I will be ignored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, six foot, what? Is he six two? Six four? Bloke? Off off the telly. And you still get ignored. So so there we go. Mm. Yes, quite. Anyway, any parish... Goodness me, that's a massive moth that's just come through the window. Uh, <laughs> get out. Anyway, any parish notes this week, Andrew? Uh, you zoom zoomed. We talked about this before. You did that last night whilst you're avoiding uh, Mon Mothma there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there will, be, there will be a link in the show notes. Uh, well, the link is in the show notes for last night's show. It had Nia Khan um, because I've I've glanced at the, at the A still and many others as well as uh, Lewis Kingston, Alan's new close personal friend. Um, uh, not this week, actually. No, no, no Lewis this was week. Was it not? I thought he was no. on at the start. Okay, I was wrong. I must have looked at an old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, many others as well. Obviously, uh, Ian and Popman Colour, people like that. So do click through on the link and have a watch of that because that's always entertaining. Uh, it's been do- it's been done really well. I have to say that has that that has been one of the better things to come out of the lockdown. It was basically originally a way for all of us to actually speak to someone else. Yeah, during the week. and and I like how. I like how it's developed and evolved, and I like that it's still going. <laughs> yes, well, so do I. To be perfectly honest, so do I. One of us finalised some, some. I need to organise some more special editions for Fridays. We've just uh, we've got a couple to record that we've just been wor- working out when we're going to do that um, ourselves, uh, and then we'll we'll get those back again. I'm sorry, this first week back from holiday has just been a little bit, you know, first week back from holiday ish. Yeah, I'm sure people understand. Yeah. And that just about does it for this week. So but so don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about our Patreon and indeed our Audible, as mentioned earlier, uh, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please uh, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me happily chatting there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that personally? Personally, the best way is via Twitter, uh, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-A-D-L-E-Y. Um, <laughs> you missed that, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll be back soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.